All right, everybody okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Either I am really under the influence of the Holy Spirit or just delirious <laughs> from not sleeping. I'll go ahead and tell you my not sleeping story. I had a not sleeping. Some person told me to take something for sinuses. Okay, this certain girl, I won't tell you her whole name, but her last name's Fortune. <laughs> She's not here. Oh, she would say, oh, Byron, that's perfect. You just take that. That'll be great. So I took two of those at 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. And I, yeah, it was said take two. And they said in, in every four to six hours, take two more. So I thought by 9 o'clock, it'll all be wore off, and I'll just go to bed and sleep like a baby. Well, that didn't work. I, I got in bed at 10, and I thought I was going to go to sleep. And Well, back in my uh, earlier life, I did speed, okay, in another life, and that's the way it felt like. I would hit, get these rushes of adrenaline, and go, <gasps> you know, when I'm trying to go to sleep. And that went on to 3 o'clock in the morning. So, but I tell you what I did do is I decided, Becky always told me when she can't sleep, she goes downstairs, turns the television on, and listens to preaching and soaks under preaching, and goes, she said, it puts me right to sleep. So I thought, I'm going to try Becky's trick, okay? I'm going to try to soak under preaching. Well, that was a mistake, because I like to listen to preaching, not soak under it. So I was listening to all these preachers last night, um, like Joel Osteen. He had a, he had a great message, Joel Osteen. Just an encouragement. And then, then the best preacher in the world, T.D. Jakes. He, let me tell you what they did. This was amazing what they did on Easter Sunday. They rented the Civic Center in Dallas, okay, and, and invited the community to come to their Easter service. And he preached on the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And of course, nobody can do it like T.D. Jakes. I mean, you know, he just preached the paint off the walls. And, you know, either you're going to get saved in there or you're, just, or you're, going, to be, you're going to be miserable. But it was a tremendous message unfortunately and then there was some guy who did this leadership thing and you know it was like please lord let me go to sleep i can't do this there was actually i was watching worship in this one place and uh they were having manifestations on the worship team when they were trying to do worship <laughs> you know i thought boy i'm gonna go to sleep now i'm now i'm watching these people have manifestations don't y'all love manifestations do you i love manifestations i might be having one right now this whole thing may be a manifestation uh, okay, I'm going to do this message and, and be done here, if I can. The great thing about feeling like this is I can't remember a word I said in the first service except what I just told you. That's the only thing I can remember that I said. So, but I wrote some notes down. This is what is, I call the snowflake message, okay? And it has been said that there's no two snowflakes alike, right? How anybody can ever prove that, we don't know. Uh, but I actually got this message from Becky, and I, hopefully sometimes she'll share this experience she had with the Lord recently about this. It was very powerful. But I stole the title of the message from her because it's about, um, it's about us, about us, who we are, how God has created each one of us uniquely, okay, and, and, and how God's greatest desire for our lives is for us to live out of who we really are and be who we really are, discover who we really are. Um, you know, you, it's, when you begin to come into a revelation of grace, if you have a real revelation of grace, at some point in time in that revelation, you are going to begin, that's going to begin to be a big issue in your life, uh, is, is really who, who am I? Am I really my, 
my authentic self. You know, that's a term that people use. I always called it living from the heart. There's other terms like the, being your authentic self, being your true self. And it's just such a powerful uh, thing that can happen in your life when you begin to really discover who you really are, who God created you to be, and begin to learn how to live that way. Um, it's, it's, it will change your entire life. In fact, it, to me, for, for me, okay, for me, it was the, the great key for me to learn how to connect into the spiritual world. Instead of being just a random thing, it was the way. Because, see, God speaks to the heart. He, you know, he knows a man after the heart is what he says in the Old Testament. That he doesn't know a man by his outward. He knows a man by the heart. And God relates to us by our heart. And the heart really is the true self. That's where we really discover who we really are. And that's why I always called it uh, living from the heart. So um, let me read these scriptures here and try to kind of give you this. This, is, this would be really great if you could get this this morning, okay? It would really be great. But let me read. This is the original thing here. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And then I'm going to read th- verse 31 in Genesis 1. Then God said, let us. Everybody say us. It was a corporate deal going on that day in heaven. We, us, is the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then this is so cool. We are made in us's image. You know, let us make man in our image. Us and our being capitalized. According to our likeness. Let them, then he starts talking about because, now this is key, because we are in this image, being created in this image, made in this image, something happens. Let them have dominion. That's what happens. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the earth, over, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, you know, that's, you know, we're the crown of God's creation. We're the greatest of His creation because we're the only thing that's totally created in His image. And according to his likeness. Isn't that powerful? Then it says, no, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him male and female. Right there, male and female. So it's not just, not just men, you know, are created in God's image. It's male and female. So we're all, you know, somehow God's worked all that out. He created them, being man and woman. Then, this is so powerful, then God Bless them. Isn't that a powerful thing? God, it says God bless them. We're blessed. Whether we believe it or not, we have, we have a blessing that's been laid upon us by God Almighty. Okay? Does that excite you this morning? It's exciting when we begin to walk in that blessing. Believe that. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. You know, he's sort of making sure they understand what they're supposed to do. Before, when we were reading this up in another verse, I guess God was talking to each other. And now he's saying, man, I want you to make sure you're the fill it, you're the subdue it, you're the have dominion over the fish, the birds, the air, and every other thing that moves on the earth. You're, you're the crown, you're the glory, you're the power over all these things. Isn't that powerful? And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And that was the evening and the morning were the sixth day. That was the last thing, you know, that God did in creation. He was done. And then he took a break, took a day off. <laughs> Everybody say day off. Day off. I say, good. <laughs> ain't days off good? <laughs> Woo, thank you, Lord, for days off. So, 
Um, here, here's the thing. God created us in but then the devil, the devil slid in between us and God. Okay? That's what happened. He got in between us and God and began to lie to us. And began to talk to us about our image, about who we are and what we are and what we're created for. And we begin, we begin to believe the lie. Okay? And so it says in, in Genesis 3, 5, says, God knows, this is the devil talking now, God knows that in the day you eat of it, being the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Now, we've said this over and over, but this is the truth. The devil was telling, this is a stupid thing when you think about it. He was saying you will be like God, and they were already like God. Right? They were all, and so they believed like, duh, how could you believe such a foolish lie? You were already like God. But you believe this lie from the devil that said to you, you're not like God. You need to do something to become like God. And so that's the thing that has happened to mankind. Mankind has been trying to do something to be like God ever since. And the more we try to do to be like, the more we don't be like. Because you don't have to do anything to be like God except just believe. Okay? That's what makes you like God today is a believing. What you believe rules you. Anyways, um, what God has done, and this is really important, God has put in everybody's heart and everybody in the world this, this desire, this hunger, this need to identify with other people and with God. Everybody has that. Because that's where we get our image. We get our image from who we identify with. Now you can see this. This is an awful example, but it's a really clear example, with young people who join gangs. They don't join gangs because they want to be criminals. They join gangs because they need identity. They need an image. They say that. that they've, they've inter- I've seen interviews of these young people. Why, why did you join the gang? Because I wanted to belong. I needed to be with somebody. I needed to be with people who loved me, who accepted me, who approved of me. And so what happens is, is what, this is what we all do. What we identify with, we begin to take on that image. That's what we begin to do. Like in this extreme example, they begin to wear the clothes. They begin to think like they think. They begin to act like they think. And they begin to talk like they talk. Right? And so that's really what man does. Because God has put it in our heart to do that. Okay? He's put it in our heart to identify, to be accepted. And that's how we get our image. And the, and the devil knew that. He understood that. And that's the very thing that he attacked to take from us our identity, to take our self-image from us and convince us to be something else. Are you following that? Because this, will, this, is, this is really can be life-changing. So uh, remember uh, last week I told you about the Jethro Tull. Y'all remember Jethro I mentioned the album. Aqualung was the name of the album. Y'all remember Aqualung? Well, if you don't, back in my day, Aqualung, man, if you were any cool person, Aqualung was part of your uh, music that you listened to. But Aqualung was not a good album, it turns out. I thought it was good then, but I found out now it's not. But on the back of Aqualung, this is what Jethro Tull said. Man crea- in the beginning, man created God. In man's image, he created God. All right, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. This is how this thing plays out. Is 
because we have lost our identity from God, and we're looking for an identity, we have an image of God that's been given to us by somebody. Like in, in Eve's, Adam and Eve's case, it was given to them by the devil. In our case, it's what somebody's told us about God. Okay? Somebody tells us this is how God is. Okay? And we begin to see that and we begin to adapt ourselves to that image because we're wanting to identify. Are y'all following this? Now, you may not consciously think this, but this is what every human being does. We begin to adapt ourselves and change ourselves into that image of God who we think He is. Okay? Because have, have you ever wondered why people think God think certain things about God that are not even true? Like, you know, there's this thing, you know, out there now that God is an angry God. He's upset with the United States, and He's upset with the church, and He's, you know, going to, you know, and he's, he's, he's hard on us, and He's down on us. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the people who are preaching that believe it. You could never convince them otherwise because that's the image of God that they have. They have an image of God that He's angry, He's down on people, and He's going to punish everybody. He's going, he's going to, you know, judge and condemn everybody. He's going to judge and to condemn the country because the way it's... And they're doing that because that's who they believe God is. And they have, they have become, because they have an image of God. And so you see, that's why there's all these streams of Christianity. Are y'all following this? There's all these streams of Christianity because there's no one stream or no one anything that could really fully express the image of God. Right? So God's allowed these different, different tribes... To, to come forth that really, you know, bring forth a part of Him. And when we get, you know, one day we'll begin to see the whole picture of really who God really is. See, we, we really don't really know God fully like we should. Did y'all, did y'all follow that little line of thought there? Because this is really critical because that's how you, you and I as believers, that's what we're doing with our own image we have, we have an image of God, and the way you are, the way you think about God, is the way the image you have of yourself. Because everybody wants to be accepted, everybody wants to be loved, everybody wants to feel secure. It's, it's a need in every person. So if we feel we're being like God, then we feel accepted by God, we feel loved by God, and we feel secure. Some people are saying yes, some people are like, mm, but it's true. It's totally true. All right, let me read this one scripture, Acts 2.22. Don't you love this stuff? Though? This is how God gets into our hearts. And, okay, Acts 2.22, listen to this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Now, no, no, it said, hear these words. Hear the words. Jesus of Nazareth. That's very important. Je- he didn't say Jesus Christ. He didn't say the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Jesus of Nazareth, a what? A man. Not, he didn't say a son of God. He said a man. He, and that's why he said Jesus of Nazareth. He was, they were wanting you to know something. This is really important. A man attested. You know what that word attested means? It means a man approved by God. A man approved by God. And then what does he start talking about? By miracles, signs, and wonders, blah, blah, blah. The connection. Here's, here's the thing. We've, I personally see. Have you asked the question... Well, we've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, right? Right. We, we're the ba- we're, you know, we, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit. We've had that experience over and over, right? But why, 
why, where's the expression of the power? Why is the expression of the power so low? Has anybody else answered that, asked that question? I ask, ask it constantly because I believe that's what God's called us to, to be an expression of power. Okay? Here's the, here's the answer. Because we lack the approval. Okay? We, because here's what approval does. Approval gives you confidence. It gives you huge confidence. When you're confident and you got the power, then you're good to go. It's what happened to Jesus. This, this really, this, this absolutely happened to Jesus. Mark 1, 9 through 11, Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. Okay? He went into the water and it says he came up and it says the heavens were, were split open, ripped open, literally. Ripped open, meaning they can't be put back together. The heavens couldn't be put back together. At Jesus' baptism, it happened. That's when the beginning of this open heaven thing happened. And then the Holy Spirit, you know, came down like a dove and rested on Jesus. And the Father spoke, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Right then, now this is really important. Right then, Jesus, He, <laughs> boy, thank you, Lord. Right then, Jesus got His approval from the Lord. Jesus had never done one thing miracle-wise. He had never done one power demonstration, period, in his life. Okay, so the approval he got from God the Father at that moment had nothing to do with what he did. Okay? It had everything to do with who he was. It was like God... And I see, this is important because Jesus had that, that experience. We, have, we should be walking in that experience. We can walk in that experience. That experience is ours. The Father wants to, to approve everybody in this room. In fact, the Father has already approved all of us. We're just not really connecting that we've been approved by God. And when we begin to really realize that we're approved not on what we've done or even what we will do, because there's a difference. Let me even say this. There's a difference between God approving you and God approving what you do or don't do. God may absolutely hate what you're doing. You know, if you're being mean to somebody, abusing them, God will not approve that. But that doesn't mean He disapproves of you. Now, that's an important point that we need to keep in our hearts and minds. That God can approve of me, but that doesn't mean He automatically approves of my actions. But He does approve of me. Because He approves of me not based, not based on what I do or don't do. He approves of me because of who I am. I'm a son. And see, I begin, so you begin, that's where you begin to get this approval from God. You begin to get this image back to your real image of who you are and who, God's, and who God said you are. And without that, you're always going to be seeking to get approval by what you do or don't do. And that sort of doesn't work really good, if you've noticed, right, in your own life. It just don't work. How many people in here really can be honest with themselves today and, and say, I really need other people to approve of me? I mean, I, I really do. I, don't, if I feel like people are disapproving of me. It's hard on me. If I, I feel like I'm being rejected, that's a difficult issue for me. Okay, even though I feel approved by God and know I'm approved by God, I still, that's because, like I said, we're souls. I, I know some people have took issue. A few people said, I don't think that's right what you said. But I can only find in the Bible where God said we're, we, you know, that we're living souls. You know, that's what he said. Your man became a living soul. And so that's sort of what I'm going on because I couldn't find anywhere it's, you know, he trumped it later and said, no, now you're a spirit. So I just sort of am going on that. And souls need that. But if we don't get it from God, we'll never satisfy it here. 
You see what I'm saying? But once we get it from God, yes, we're going to have to deal with it here. But the way I deal with it is I go back to, to the Lord. And, All right, Lord, I'm, not, I'm feeling a little insecure here, Lord, because I feel like I'm just getting you know, pushed out the door. I feel, feel like I'm being rejected. I feel like nobody approves of me. And you know, I need you to help me with this. I need you to talk me through this. And he does. Are y'all all right? Okay. Now let me just go to this. Uh, this is really cool. All righty. Y'all okay? Let me just show you this in Matthew 25 called the parable of the talents. This is one of the coolest things that I've discovered. The parable. Y'all know about the parable of the talents, right? Everybody in the church knows the parable. You probably have some great messages that you've heard on it. Uh, but this is what the Lord was showing me about this. Uh, it says the kingdom of heaven, in verse 14, is like. So this is the first thing. God's trying to give us a picture of the kingdom of heaven. And all pictures, even pictures that Jesus gave of the kingdom of heaven were not fully good. I mean, in other words, they weren't perfect. They couldn't show you. And that's why he had many different pictures. You know, like uh, it's a, like a woman with, with leaven and it's, or it's like a mustard. So he had to use all these different pe- pictures to help people help us to get a p- better picture of the kingdom. And that's just the way it works. And, and actually, this is the second picture he gave here. The, f- the first one was about the ten virgins. But, so it's like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. Now, this is really powerful. It says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is the way it works. God has delivered the goods to you and I. We have the goods. Right now, everybody in this room, if you're a believer, you have the goods. There's no getting the goods. It says he's delivered. Say, say I got the goods. I got the goods. Now, I don't know what the goods are, okay, in terms of, of what we're fixing to talk about. Everybody has some different goods, but you have the goods. I have the goods. I don't have to try to get the goods. See, that's one of the distractions of Christianity, trying to get the goods. And where God's saying, stop trying to get the goods, believe you have the goods. That's all you've got to do. Switch from trying to believing. And when you begin to do that, you realize, I got the goods. And when you got the goods, you got confidence. Part of the goods is you're approved. God's pleased with you. That's a big good that you have. That's a, that's a big good to everybody. Every Christian has that. God is saying to you this morning, you got the goods. Part of the goods is I 100% approve of you. I am 100% pleased with you, period. That's where that confidence rises up. You know... Uh, if I'm on a basketball court, there's one thing I know. I don't have the goods. <laughs> you know, I just don't have So here's what I'm doing. I'm cheating. I'm hitting people. I'm elbowing people. I'm doing whatever it's going to take and hope nobody sees it. In fact, I got thrown off a basketball court one time in my hometown where we played because I was out of a bunch of these big old huge black guys. And I thought, these, these guys, the only way I'm going to be able to compete with them, I'm just going to go and I'm going to hack them and brutalize them. And they got tired of it and said, you ain't playing with us no more because we are sick of the way you're playing. That is not basketball. That's what they told me. This is not basketball, son. Get out of here. You go over there and sit there and watch. I wasn't going to argue with them. But I guarantee you Kobe Bryant, when he's on a basketball court, why do you think he's so good? He's got the goods. He knows he's got the goods. And so he can get the job done. If you know you got the goods, you can get the job done. Whatever goods it is God's giving, if you know you got it, you can get the job done. You really can. 
And, that, and that's where that, this confidence comes. Okay, there's certain things I know I can do, and I think, you know what, I don't care if I feel bad or anything, I can still do it because I know i got the goods. It's in me. I know it. it's in there. All i got to do is tap into it and do it. Yeah, I mean, so that's a very powerful picture right there that really I spent a long time thinking about that. All right, then it goes on. And he said, uh, and to one he, this is feeling delirious again, and to one he gave five talents to another two and to another one, five, two, and one, to each according to his own ability. So the Lord, you know, releases these talents out to people. Okay, just, you know, whatever he has created you for, whatever he's... He's desired of you. And immediately he went on a journey, okay? He just took off, okay? And he, it doesn't say it here in this one, but in Luke's, he said this, do business until I come. Now, this is the crazy thing about it. This is really crazy. Do business? What the heck are you talking about? That's what I thought. What are you talking about, do business? What do you mean? You've given this. What am I supposed to do with it? There's no instructions. Where is the instructions? Have you ever thought about that? Do business. What kind of instructions is that? That's like you come to the, on a brand new job on the first day. They set you down. Now do your job. And the boss walks out. And you're sitting there like, what is the job? That's the way it is with God. And he just leaves. And he leaves you sitting there hanging with, okay, i got to do something. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not even sure what I've got. You see, that's sort of how the spiritual thing works. I don't even know what I have, really. And so we spend all this time, what do I really have? I've got to figure out what i got. I've got to discover what i got. And then I've got to figure out to do business with it. What, does, what am I going to do? Has anybody ever thought about that? What the heck am I going to do? I don't even know what i got to do with. <laughs> that was me. I'm just telling you my, my little life. And so these people went out and started doing stuff because they knew what to do, evidently. Somebody did, you know. And, you know, it says that one, you know, had five, got five more, and another got two, got two more. Then it goes to the one who had one. Okay, now, the one guy is the one that we need to really see about this thing, about his image of God, okay. But first I want, I want, to, so I want to tell you two things that really helped me about this doing business and, and the, you know, this, this tension that I feel like in my Christian life, the way my Christian life works, this tension that I live in with this. Because do business till I come is like living in the wide open spaces. Right? It's just like, all right, go on. Now, I, wanna, I told you about this vision I had a while back. I want to tell you again because it really, really impacted me is, you know, I was in this vision, I was soaking, I, get, I had this vision of a horse corral. And I was in the corral as a horse, but I didn't know it was me at first. I thought it was just a bunch of horses. The horse guy came into the corral, the horse guy. And he took the one horse, which happened to be me, and he pulled me aside and he shooed the other horses to the other side of the corral. Okay? And then he opened the gate of the corral and he said, Out! Just get out of here. It's time to go. It's just time to get out. And when <laughs> this is no kidding, I was on. I was soaking, just having a great time, having a vision. I jumped up off the floor. What about them? <laughs> That's what I said. I'm in my room by myself. Nobody. I'm yelling at. What about them? I was scared all of a sudden. I didn't know what to do. What? And don't worry about them. You're out. Just get out of here. And it wasn't like he's throwing me out. He was just saying, "It's time to leave the corral, son. 
It's, it's time to leave the crowd. You know, crowds are training. That's where they work, you know, teach the horses. It's time for you to get out of here. Where am I going to go? You know, that was my, where am I going? And he said, go to that ledge over there. There was a ledge. So I went to the ledge. This is all in the vision. The horse went to the ledge and went over and looked. And down into the valley, it was like the valley of mankind. That's what it was. So I'm sitting there looking at the valley of mankind, wondering, like, what am, what am I supposed to do? You know, and that was pretty much where, it, where the, the vision ended. Okay, with me looking at the valley of mankind, I'm wondering what, I was, what am I supposed to do about all this? I mean, you know, I'm not in the crowd anymore. The gate's shut. The other horses are still in there. I'm not in there. I'm out here. I'm supposed to do something. Nobody's telling me what to do. I've got to figure out what to do. And so I began to try to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And so I went along for a while in my life figuring out what I was supposed to do, doing stuff, and I started finding out things were not working so hot. Right? I mean, anybody else had that in their life? Things ain't working good. I mean, no, I'm sort of failing here. You know, nothing's working. In fact, everything I'm trying to do, nothing's working right. This person's mad, that person this, this. I don't know what to do about all this. But, you, you know, I'm out here doing, I'm trying to do business. And nobody's telling me what to do. I need some help here. That's what I was thinking. Somebody's got to help me. Y'all are just looking at a very delirious person. Okay, this is what Christianity has done to me. It's made me delirious. It made me leave Aqualung, you know, get out of that world into this other delirious world. So I just said, I've got to have a meeting. I've got to have a meeting with the Father. That's what I said. I've got to meet with you because this is not working. We've got to go talk. So I had this encounter with the Lord. But it was like the Father coming, but like the business side of the Father, like this guy. He came. And I started telling him, listen, this is all this stuff you wanted me to do. I'm doing the best I know to do. And I'm, it, this is happening, that's happening. I don't have a clue what to do. It's not working. I don't know how to live out here. I don't know how to live out here. I don't know how to live in the wide open spaces. I don't know how to do business. Somebody's going to do more. And you're the one who sent me out here. It was a deal. You know? I mean, I wasn't being nasty to the to the to the guy in charge, so to speak, but I was telling him how I felt, you know, like, you wanted me to do this and you ain't helping me? Come on. Well, anyways, he gave me a scripture. This is, I want to read the scripture to you. Oh, isn't the Lord good? <laughs> I mean, the Lord's just good. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. This is what he gave me. For now we see in a mirror. Remember in the back old, in those days what a mirror was? It was a very rust. It, it's like looking in the water. That's how clear it would be. It wasn't like these mirrors we have around here now. A black polished surface. That was their mirror. So you could look in that thing and think you were the most beautiful woman in the world. And then by, wow, she's ugly. She just, that mirror is leading her astray. She thinks she's beautiful. You know how some mirrors, you know how, this is no lie. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have a mirror at home. I don't know what it is, but when I look at myself in that mirror without my shirt on, I look real muscular. <laughs> and I asked Becky about it, and she said, you're not that muscular. You're really not. You're not that muscular. That mirror is just magnifying something. I don't know what it is, but you ain't seeing something right. It's no kidding. I spent a lot of time in front of that mirror. <laughs> this is the way I'm going to look. I want to have these muscles on me. <laughs> anyway, But the... 
we look in a mirror right now, this is talking about now in this age, we see this dim view of, of, of ourselves, we see this dim view of life, but then face to face. In other words, we're, what, now I know in part, and it's what the Father was saying, is Byron, listen son, this, let me tell you, this, you will never get to the place in your life where you don't need me. You will never get to the place where you don't need a Father to speak into your life. You'll never get to the place where you don't need the Lord Jesus Himself to, to really help you. If you. When you begin to think living in a wide open space is an independent, free will life, you've missed the whole point. Listen, my daddy's been da- dead for about 15 years. There are some days in my life I wish I could call my daddy just to talk to him. Like, Daddy, you know what? You know, things ain't going good in my life. I just want to hear a daddy talk to me. I love it when my kids talk to me. Every once in a while, my kids would talk, call me and say, Hey, Dad, this is what's going on at work. What do you think about that? What do you think I should do? You know, it's, they're just looking for a perspective from a, from a father. And so we need, we need the father's perspective from time to time in our life. And we'll never get to the place where we don't need him, where we're living. And see, it's just this tension in life. It's like this, this tension where he said, Get out, get out, get out. But then there's this time when he says, Get at my feet, get at my feet, get at my feet. I mean, you've got to know. you got to know when you're supposed to be out and you know when you're supposed to be at, your, at the feet. Do you understand that? This is really critical for us if we're going to really live, live out of our true identity. But we need Daddy. We can't just say, well, no matter what I do, it's going to be fine because that's not true. It's not true in the Bible. Jesus is the highest form on this deal. He only did what he saw the Father doing. You know what Jesus wanted to do when he was 12 years old? He wanted to do his Father's business. That was in his heart, but the Father said, no, not right now. Isn't it great that you have a Father that would say, no, let's don't do it right now. It's not time. And he, I'm cool with that. That was Jesus. Yeah, it's not time. The Father says it's not time. It's not time. And so it's this, this tension in our life of staying vitally connected to the Father and allowing Him to speak in our life, but at the same time not sitting around just waiting, like waiting for something to happen, some booming word from heaven that He's saying, I'm not going to give you a booming word from heaven. I've already gave you the booming word. You got it. Go. Do you see that? Do you all see that? I mean, that's, that's the part that drives me nuts. You know, like, okay, am I supposed to wait? Am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to go or am I supposed to wait? Am I supposed to, am I supposed to be out there or am I supposed to be at your feet? I mean, you know, that's why sometimes it feels like I'm just going nuts here. <laughs> it's crazy. But that's the way God wants us to learn. And we could really learn that. It really helped us a lot. Help us a lot. Of, because in my, this is why I say you can't, I went after lots of things in my heart. Okay? Lots of things. I'm going to be honest with you. Some I shouldn't have, and they hurt me really bad. Hurt me really bad. And so it's because I needed that father in my life at that moment to say, Byron, that's a great thing. One of these days that's going to happen in your life, but I don't think you need to do that right now. You, that, that ain't going to work well for you. But I didn't, I didn't take that moment. I didn't have that thought. It was just like, well, this is what the Lord, you know, this is what we're doing, you know, let's get with it and do it, blah, blah. Am I discouraging anybody? Don't, please don't take this. I mean, because I'm on the opposite end. I'm always like, yeah, let's go, 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 go. Let's see what happens, you know. Uh, I, I feel like I'm supposed to just, yeah, go do it. Go try it. 
That's right. You know, how are you going to know it's the Lord? Well, like he told Moses, I tell people this all the time, well, how am I going to know it's the Lord? Well, when you get out, like the Lord said, when you're back on this mountain worshiping, that's when you're going to know for sure. You can't know for sure going into it. You really can't. Are y'all okay? Isn't the Lord good, though? All right, let me finish this. That was just one little distracting part. I wanted to get back to this thing about the image thing. That's a part of the image, though. It says in verse 19, no, it says in verse uh, 18, it said, He who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground. Dug in the ground. All right, this is really where it gets great. And hid his Lord's money. Note little L, little L, little L, little Lord, little Lord. Hid his little Lord's money. After a long time, the little Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had, re- he had received the five talents and, grant- and came and brought five of us saying, Big Lord, capital L, big five talents. He saw Jesus right. He saw the Lord right. Big Lord, here's my five talents, and I've made you more five more talents. Isn't that cool? Do y'all catch this? this? There's all kinds of stuff in the Bible, like right, these little things. It's so one thing I always pay attention to when I'm reading the Bible is the little Lord, the big Lord. You know, it's, the Lord's the Lord. He's the big Lord. It's the way we make Him. And the way we make God in our eyes is the way we're going to treat God. It's the way we're going to treat ourselves. Okay? And I know what you're thinking. Well, I would never make the Lord the little Lord. And his Lord said, his little Lord, he was not really pressing it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your little Lord. He also received two talents, came and said, Lord, big Lord, you delivered to me. See, it's about the person. It's about their perspective of who God is. Okay? Are y'all getting this? This is cool. And, you know, I made two more. And then he says the same thing, joy of the Lord. And then, then he's, the one who received the one talent came. Okay, and said, Big Lord, I'm glad you're back. But I knew you to be a hard man, Big Lord. You're a hard God. You're a demanding God. You don't cut nobody no slack. If we sin, you're all over us. You're going to pull our pants down and beat us in front of everybody, Big Lord. That's, that's sort of the way we go on this deal. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid of you, big Lord. I was afraid of you. So I took what you gave me and I buried it in the ground. Look, just take what's yours. You got it back. You should be happy. Now, ain't that sort of thought? But his little Lord answered. You see, the way we see God is the way we're going to see ourselves. That image we create of God in our minds and our hearts is the way we're going to act. That's what that's showing us right there. That man had a bad picture of God. And his life and how he lived his life, what he did with his life, and the outcome of his life was all based on that one thing, his image of God. The thing that devil knew, I'll tear your image of God down and I'll ruin your life over it. 
And that's what he does to Christians all the time. I'll tear your image of God down. You will think God some way that he's really not, and it'll destroy your life. Now, that's the truth. If we could fix one thing in our life, if we could fix our image of God, we would look in the mirror one day and see our real self. Oh, yeah, I am muscular. <laughs> that mirror wasn't lying. Becky, you were wrong. I got muscles. <laughs> well, the hair thing is this. I was thinking about that. You know, what an Indian tribe got a hold of me and scouted me. <laughs> That's what I say to people when they get real short haircuts. You got to scout, man. And so, can you see why this identity thing is so important? How we see God is so important to us because it affects, it affects our, everything in our life. It affects everything. Everything is affected over that one little thing. That one little thing. And you can look at your life and the way things are going in your life Eventually, you can trace it back to your image of God that you have, that you've created. Especially when things are just never going, to, going right in your life. And you want to blame God for it. And you know what? The, the way the Lord is, this is the way the, I found the Lord to be about all this stuff. Is I don't know about you, but i got lots of failures going in my life. i got piles of failures. You know, i only got one thing that I'm not failing on. Let me tell you my secret one thing that I don't fail on, is dreams. If that's for some reason, God, you know, everyone's like, I'm going to let you really be good on this, Byron. I'll give you 100% on your dreams. You know, if I dream about somebody, it always comes to pass. I got 100% going, just like the Lord, like, I'll show you, pal. <laughs> I'm just telling you, because I got so many other failures going in my life, you just would not believe it. I've got a stack of failures. A stack of failures for years. Okay? But you know how I feel out the Lord? When I go, Lord, you know what? I don't really understand this. I really don't. You know what? He's, I found him saying, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I got a lot more stuff where that came from. <laughs> That's what he's been telling me. You messed that up. I got plenty of stuff. I, can, I got plenty, plenty, plenty. Plenty of this, plenty of that. Plenty, plenty, plenty. I've got plenty. You don't have to live your life worried that if you mess up something, you absolutely destroy it, run it into the ground. I mean, this is a real truth about the Lord. You could destroy your marriage, and I don't suggest you do that. Go to the marriage thing, please. <laughs> but you know what? God has a bunch of spouses. Now, that should liberate you not to be bad. That should liberate you to be good. You know what I'm saying? Does it? <laughs> Well, Luke 15, parable of the prodigal son. This guy was bad. He wasted everything. He came to his senses, and he went home, and he had this speech lined up to the father. I have totally sinned. Against, in your eyes, against heaven, I've just totally, I've messed everything up. I've ruined my life. I've ruined it. But the father was like, hey, 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 fall on him, weep, and not even listen to a word he had to say. Now, that's a picture of God the Father. That should liberate us not to sin, not to want to go live like that, but liberate us that we have a Father that says, but if just in case you happen to, I'm going to fall on you and weep when you come to me. I'm going to fall on you and weep. I'm not going to put a judgment on you. I'm not going to put a criticism on you. Now, people will. I figured out something. 
about reaping and sowing, okay? The law of sowing and reaping. I promise you that law works, especially here. People are going to make you pay. If you mess up, you will be held accountable by human beings. God doesn't even have to do that. We do it to each other constantly. I've learned that. Like, is this a law of sowing and reaping, Lord? Am I reaping what I sow? Are you in this, Lord? No, I'm not in it, but they are. You messed up, you're paying, pal. I don't, you know, I don't know how to get involved. They're going to make you pay. So it's sort of liberated. We move with the Lord. So that son, you know, got the ring, got the sandals, got the, the thing, and was a son. That's what the sandals were. Slaves were barefoot. When they put them sandals on, he was saying, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, you're a son, you're a son, you're a son, you're a son. And you got the best robe, which happened to be the daddy's robe. And you got the ring, which happened to be access to the family fortune again. Now, that's how the Lord does that. And, but then you had the other brother out in the field said, was mad, Lord, why didn't you ever do any of this for me? Or Dad, Dad, I'm mad at you, Dad. You never did this for me, Dad. And I've done all this for you, Dad. That's the Christians, right? I've been doing all this and you ain't helping me. I've poured my life out and you ain't helping me. Where are you? Why are you like that? Uh, everything I have is always yours. But because you believed I was hard and demanding and requiring, you couldn't receive it. So you spent your life in the field slaving for something you already had. That's really what he was trying to show us in all that. And when we begin to see the fight, see both of those boys, image, image of their father. It, their lives were directed by the image. And so God wants to heal people of their image of God and show you what He's really like and free us so we can become who we really are. Because when we begin to see Him more truly as He really is, we begin, our self-image begins to, to adapt to that back to what He said in the first place. You're created in my image. And when you see me, that's why I've told people over and over, over the revelation of the Father, when I begin to see the Father, I begin to see myself because I was seeing my true image versus all these false images that I had. Are you all right? And this is the identity thing that God wants to release into the church, I believe, His identity. And when we see Him as He is, then we can really become who we're supposed to be. Our hearts really will come alive, you know. And like I have said many times, Arthur Burke's word was, I'm not claiming, but I am aiming. You know, this is, I'm walking this out in my life. I'm, I'm discovering this is a discovery process. This is a journey. I know more about my image today because I know more about the image of God than I did a year ago at this time. You know, I'm coming more into that. And when he comes back, What's the scripture? When he comes back, then it'll all be fulfilled. Everything will be perfect then because we, we'll be just exact. Because, oh, my God, what if that scripture is really saying this? What if that scripture is saying this, that scripture that when we see him, we'll be like him? What if it's really saying when you see him, you're like, I was like him all along, and I didn't even know it. What if it's really telling us that? At that moment, oh, my gosh, all those years of my life, I didn't know it, and I didn't believe it. And now I see. Well, that's a pretty good thought, isn't it? <laughs> I think I might try that one. I'm, I'm going to go on that one a little bit. Lord. I'm just going to believe I'm already like you.
I'm going to leave that for a while see what that does to me. <laughs> you believe in rules, you're right. Let's stand up. Oh, you know, Lord, we're just like a bunch of children here. That's what we are. We're just children, Lord. I like being a child. <laughs> Woo, I love being a child. Ch- children get stuff from the Father. Hey, listen, this is the great picture I have. Walking across the street as a little boy, probably four or five years old. Busy street. I'm walking across the street. I'm in my daddy's hands. You know what? This car zipping by there. I wasn't paying attention to none of that. You know why? Because daddy had my hand. Daddy had my hand. So I wasn't worried about getting across the street or getting run over. Because daddy had my hand. And that's how I see my life. Daddy's got my hand. And there's a lot of stuff going on around me. Every once in a while, me and Daddy need to have a sit-down to kind of figure out some things because obviously I'm pulling. You know, you've seen kids pulling. Like, uh, and the dad, hang on here. Hang on, man. Don't do that yet. If we could just reach our hand up right now for Daddy to say, I want my, your hands in my hand. I'm holding your hand. I'm going to walk you through. I'm going to walk you through this life. If you'll let me. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to get you across the road safe. I'm going to get you across this life to the other side. I'm going to get you safe there. But not only am I going to get you safe over there, I'm going to let you really come into something awesome while you're here. So, Father, right now we want to make a a declaration this morning that we believe that you are, are more that we could ever dream of. You're a wonderful Lord. And we just lay our image down that we've created of you so you can give us a brand new view of you. Brand new view. I pray for every person in this room, Lord, again, to see Jesus Christ, see the Father, see the Holy Ghost in a fresh new way. We can begin to know you fresh in any way and we can begin to know ourselves like we've never ever known us. We don't have to look to other people because each one of us is a unique snowflake created uniquely and perfectly and that you approve of us. I pray that I pray that approval of heaven fall in this room on everybody everybody in this room that they would feel that they are approved they would know that they're approved I pray they'd have that experience of approval and you would heal self-images in this room this morning. You'd heal our self-image, Lord. I just ask you, Lord Jesus, just do that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Just continue to do it this week, Lord. I pray that, Lord, as we just spend time just soaking in your presence this week, God, I just pray that you would continue to remind us of who we are, of whose we are, Lord. Thank you for doing that. Amen. All right. If you need prayer this morning for sickness or any other issue, you can come on up. Otherwise, you can be dismissed.